you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to Night City Stories, a podcast about the stories we create in Cyberpunk 2077. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Jai, and I'm here with my friend, Bobby Schisler. Hey, hey, hey. On today's episode, we are going to cover the first three main quests of the prologue. We're going to talk about the rescue, the Ripper Dock, and the ride. I mean, originally we did. Def- we definitely planned to cover more of the prologue, but once I started kind of diving into the, you know, the prologue itself, I was like, eh, it's kind of it's a decent amount of information here. So we're just going to cover that on this episode. Before we do that, though, want to give a shout out to I am Matt AF for leaving us a nice uh, review on iTunes. Five stars says. My boys, what can I say? Ja with another banger of a podcast and riding shotgun with him is our best boy, Blaze and Bob. I always will and forever sing the praises of Mashos Buttons. Jared specifically, these guys always bring top-notch info and insight into every game, story, and piece of news they cover. You will not be disappointed whenever you choose to listen to one of their podcasts. Keep it up, guys. I'm here for this ride. Your boy, I am Matt AF. Thank you very much, dude. We do appreciate uh, we appreciate the redo uh, the uh, the review, and also appreciate you sticking with us all the way from Watchpoint Radio. I think Watchpoint Radio was the first time I was alerted to your presence. So uh, thank you very much. We do appreciate the love, Bob. How has your week been in Cyberpunk? Jam packed. I've just been playing nonstop, doing every mission I possibly can, and. I'm, I went pretty far in the game. I think I might have to go back to the middle somewhere and try different pathways now. But I have beat the game one time as of now. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't gotten to an ending yet because I actually started different life paths to just to kind of see how it differed in the conversation options. Um, which kind of brings me to a point here that I think we really need to revisit that that corporal intro. I'm not sure you really did it justice, Bob. I'm feeling you didn't do the corporal intro <laughs> justice. We talked about this in pre-show, but I'm just going to let you go because I still think it was meh. I think they all sounded pretty meh, but I'll I'll let you tell the listeners what you thought because it still was not memorable for me. Okay, so first of all, like this intro, it gives you the most background information on your character out of all of the intros, right? Like compared to like, first of all, street kid net. Cause I said this one was the worst last week without playing it based off of what you said. Street kid is the worst intro for sure. The street kid is, de- is definitely the worst intro. Um, and by like worst, you're, you're saying most like bo- basically the most boring one less. Yeah. Yeah. But less making sense. Like, it sounds like the only one that actually makes sense with the Jackie being your buddy is really the corporate side, which I didn't think about either listening to your recants of those. 
but then did later when we were talking in pre-show that makes sense with Jackie because you've got a background, you know, you've been doing things together and been friends for a while. So that relationship makes more sense. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, cause you know, with the nomad, with the nomad opening, you kind of, you know, that you were a backer and you left the clan, but they never tell you why they don't tell you anything about it. I highly doubt there's anything on the nomad path as you're playing the game that will give you that information. It's not like the, you know, the backers come looking for you or something like that. At least I, I can't imagine it because nothing, at least to my knowledge, nothing street kid specific has happened after you get past the prologue or after you get past the actual title screen. So, you know, out of all the intros, this is the only one that really explains why you are the way you are, why you talk the way you talk and how you're able to maneuver around the way you do. It's the only one that actually gives that molds your character a little bit. So I'm not going to do a play by play. I'll just highlight a couple things. Cause you, you sort of kind of did a play by play last week, even though you skimped, but real quick before you go to that, you said the way you talk, the way you do. I'm just curious, the voice actor for V, the male voice actor, how did that go for you? Because for me, it was jarring at the beginning, and I really did not like his voice. It took a long time for me to finally be like, actually, I, I like this. Like It was an acquired taste for me. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of the voice. I am definitely not a fan of the fact that it doesn't change based on where you're from. It's the same exact voice either way. Like I think it I think the the voice actually works better for Street Kid than it does for Corpo yeah, or Nomad. But, you know, that's the, I mean, I don't hate it, don't get me wrong, but at the same time I'm not necessarily a huge fan of it. I think they should have had more voice actors based on um your your life path. So, you know, when you start the Corpo path, you start like you're looking in the mirror and you're like throwing up. And, you know, you're throwing up because you're at a, you're under a lot of stress at the job. And that's when Jackie calls you the first time and you have that little conversation. He's like, oh, this job's going to kill you, which can kind of be something you can look over to a degree. But if you if you progress through the corpo opening and you look at her emails and you see how the corp is acting like she's been under stress or he's been under stress for a long period of time, uh, you have a company that monitors your biometrics called quantified Satori. And they, they know that you're under stress and they've actually prescribed you medicine. That's how bad it is. Even like when you're later on, when you're flying through the city and your life coach calls you, cause you're like, yeah, I got an alert from quantified Satori. Is everything okay? Uh, that, you know, so that something's wrong, but there is something wrong, especially in this instance. And it's that, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it last week, but like your agents, and in, in, in Frankfurt were made. Somebody leaked information on the agents and they were killed. Militech killed our Osaka agents, which kind of leads into other stuff that happened, not other stuff, but other lore that you find later in the game that, you know, the corporations, they don't just like, you know, they don't just like fight each other economically. They actually can go to like real war with each other. Like Arasaka and Militech for a period of time were actually engaged in like real warfare and this is kind of just like an extension of that you know um so yeah. so militech found out that you uh that three of your agents or three of their arasaka agents like who they were and then they killed them 
And another important thing about your character is that your character works Arasaka counterintel. So it's not like it's not like your character is just like a, a desk jockey for Arasaka, right? They work counterintel. That's like corporate corporate espionage, that state control. Uh, your character has like a high position there. Like they determine where agents go if they get pulled, you know, and it explains your like tactical expertise and negotiating skills. I guess I didn't take that into account. I just thought that you just didn't mention the part in Nomad or the part in Street Kid where they point out that you're just starting out as a badass. But you, I, I just thought that would be every storyline. You're the baddest dude around that's, you know, the the like young coming up guy. But I guess that's not the way it is. No, I, you start Street Kid with a broken nose. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you start start keep sure broken nose, but yeah, like so your character works like Arasaka counter intel. So that's like some pretty you know, big stuff. Actually, one of the conversations you have to ha- have with somebody is they're like, Hey, our agent at Bio uh Biotechnica got found out and we think they're feeding them false information. Do you want me to pull them? And they give you like you can ask for a risk analysis and they give it to you and you have to determine whether to pull them out or not, which if the corpo was my first playthrough, I might think that that will come back to me later. But now that I've played more of the game, I, I highly doubt that anything is going to come of that. I told him to pull him out, you know, pull the guy out. But I don't think that really makes uh, makes too much of a difference. So, um, Kind of just filler to make it feel more real, I think, which does work in a way. Yeah, probably. So, you know, it's a what's happening is like a really big deal, not just because your agents got found and killed, but also because... Uh, this is how you maintain control of foreign governments and foreign committees and stuff like that. So um, you lost the agents and now Arasaka is worried that they're going to lose the vote in Frankfurt. Like they won't be able to control the vote. Um, so people are like running around trying to figure out how they're going to fix this. Right. And um, then you find out about your boss, like your boss calls you. His name's Ar- Arthur Jenkins. He calls you. and. Um, People don't like him. Like, like if you if you listen to people talk about him in the office, like they really he has a reputation, but you have a reputation too because you're kind of like known as a loyalist. Like you're like a Jenkins loyalist. Like when people like when you walk past a, a group of people that say, "Oh, here comes J- that's Jenkins guy or that Jenkins girl or whatever," and uh, mm-hmm. you're kind of known as a, as a as a loyalist there. But people think Jenkins is like crazy and a and a prick. But Jenkins thinks that Abernathy, who's the director of of uh of special operations that she burned him on getting a promotion you know that's why he's mad he's mad at her and actually i think you talk to a guy and he works directly for abernathy and he's like oh that she's like yeah that bitch that burned jenkins on getting the promotion you know or something like that something to that effect so you're kind of like on jenkins side here but if you listen to other people talk about him Based on his reputation, like he does not deserve the promotion that he thinks he was supposed to have. And then you actually, when you go into his office, you see why. You, you, like, you know, because I'm pretty sure you did not mention that last week, where when you go into mm. his office, he's watching like a meeting on his screen for the European Space Council. And then he gives the command and he kills like a bunch of members on the council. And it, yeah, 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 I do remember that. It was just kind of like, I think I probably would have taken a lot more in had I replayed it later after playing a lot of the game like you did. Because I was still, 
you know, trying to take it all in. Right. Yeah, it's a big deal because, you know, Abernathy calls him, like, right after that. And, you know, she's pissed because she wanted it to be, like, a more nuanced approach. Uh, because what what their goal was, right? They want to make they want to retain their voting power, right? They want to retain the vote. So, you know, his solution was just to kill the council members, and that'll buy you like a week. And they could put, I guess, I guess, put new people into place in the council to get the votes that you need, you know. But she wanted a new, a, a more nuanced approach. But his like, he took an axe. He just took an axe to it and killed the council members like right there, you know. Um. So, yeah, like, that's the type of person he is, which kind of, you know, explains why he wouldn't get a higher up position because he doesn't have any any nuance. So, I mean, you did. I mean, last week you did mention that he wanted you to kill, uh, you know, Abernathy or he wanted to kill this person that he's in competition with. But what you failed to mention was that that person is the director of special operations. So it makes like way more sense that Arasaka would terminate you based on uh you know on you going after her yeah it just didn't really like it never panned out or anything nothing ever happened you know you just get there and talk to jackie and so it was just kind of a you know an afterthought yeah but actually i mean jenkins even he blackmails you though right like he doesn't really like, it's not like he um, says, hey, I want you to kill this person. And you're just like, okay, I'll do it. Because you don't really have an option, let's be real. Like, in the game itself, you don't have an option to do it. But if you say something like, what if I say no? He just says, well, you know, people won't believe that you weren't a part of it anyway. Because I got you to where you are in the company. So everybody, it was whether you help me or not people are going to believe that you were a part of it. And then he tells you it's not a request. So you pretty much have to do it. That's when you go to link up with Jackie, but Jackie refuses. And then uh, that's when the security guys come and they shut down all your shit and they empty your bank accounts, you know, and stuff. But the thing, like I think you said Jackie just told him to go away, but that's not like exactly, that's not really what he said, right? Like, they were going to try to, you know, take on Jackie. And Jackie reminded him, like, hey, you're far from home. They were at Lizzie's bar. So he's like, we know we start shooting here, you might die. Which is true. Like, like, there's only three of them. They start shooting up the Mox Club. You know, Jackie probably can get out of it. But they won't, (laughs) you know. So, yeah, that's, Mm. that's how Jackie ends up getting you out of it. But I think the Corp intro, like, it's the one that makes the most sense. Because, you know. In the Street Kid intro and in the Nomad intro, you just met Jackie. And as a matter of fact, in the Street Kid intro, he just put a gun to your head. And you got your ass whipped by the police together. And then you go to his mom's house after that. The Street Kid one is the most ridiculous one. (laughs) Like, it it is is the most ridiculous one. (laughs) But this one, like, he already knows you. You're obvious friends. You've worked together. Like, he mentioned, like, you know, some stuff you guys did together in Mexico and how he kept his mouth shut. And... You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, like this one, it, it makes more sense. It almost feels like this was, I wonder if there was a point in development at which they only had one life path. Like there were, there were no, there weren't multiple life paths. And this was the one. Because this one feels the most complete, to be perfectly honest with you. Isn't that, did we talk about that last week? I talked about it with somebody. 
maybe we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but yeah, I assume that these were all the life paths were an afterthought. I just thought maybe all of them were an after were an afterthought, but I don't know. I still think that they could have done way better by having complete different gameplays for at least the first half of the game, if not the whole game. Like it would have been really cool to be doing missions in the corporate world and have choices to where, you know, it led you to be, to go up against them. And then you make the choice to go up against them at some point. Whereas this was kind of forced on you. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, I think that we won't linger on the, the openings too, uh, too much longer here. Uh, or cause now we're past them. Right. Uh, I think we've, there's not much, wiggle room in the opening the opening is the opening and that's it and i think from this point out now it starts to branch out a bit you know and we'll we'll, we'll see uh, what kind of happens here. but as far as i'm concerned we're still in the prologue because you haven't seen like the title screen yet and you're also locked into one part of the map in the beginning which we'll get into uh but let's talk about the rescue that's the very first mission after the prologue or not after the prologue or after the um montage and at this point you've been taking jobs with jackie for about six months and you're on a job for a wakako okoda okada okoda i think is her last name and uh, i will i'll talk i think a little bit later on we'll end up talking about her not in this show but i think she becomes more of a fixture later on she becomes more important in, in missions as you uh progress but she's a fixer, and you know I think we already talked about how fixers are people who work, you know they're the middleman basically between you like between a client and you, and um you're there to rescue somebody who got kidnapped, and uh, you do have the option to run through some training missions. I did it the first time, obviously, but the second time and the third time I didn't i'm actually I wasn't a huge fan of the trainings because. I actually had to look up how to do one of the trainings. I'm like, your training's terrible if I have to look up how to complete it. And it was the one, really? yeah, it was the one where you had to run up behind the guy, grab him and force him into the like freezer or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, for some reason I intuitively just did that. Yeah. It, I, nothing. Ma- it doesn't make sense. It's like it took, cause it tells you to go up to him, hit F and then it tells you to just hit F again. But that's not what happened. Like, you have to, like, run up to him and hit F, and then you'll just do it, you know? So, yeah. Because I think maybe because you have to – he's not close enough to it to immediately put him into it, right? So if somebody's right next yeah. to a, a container, if you hit F and you and then you hit the button again, it'll just put him right in the container. But what was happening was, like, I was, I was sneaking up to him, I would hit F, and then it'll kill him and it'll reset the simulation. So I'm not a – wasn't a huge fan of that one. Uh, but you already know Jackie. Um, he gives you the lowdown a little bit. But then you meet T-Bug. And she's the net runner on your team. Well, I shouldn't say team because she does not consider herself part of your team. She doesn't. Like, she considers herself kind of freelance. Like, I think she's worked with you and Jackie on a couple jobs at that point. But she's not part of your yeah. crew. Yeah, you guys, she doesn't, like, when, when, you, when Jackie brings up that you're a crew, she kind of, like, scoffs at it. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. She was kind of a afterthought too. Although this whole prologue part is a little a little fuzzy for me. I probably should have played over 
I suppose I played over one of them again because there was just so much happening at that time. It was hard to take everything in. I was trying to figure out who is T-Bug and why is she in our conversations? And, you know, to, you just told me she was a net runner. And I was like, oh, that makes sense now why she was in your training video. Yeah, I mean, anybody <laughs> you meet in the beginning portion of the game, I mean, they're going to be introducing you to tons of new characters, you know? So anybody could pop up in the very beginning of the game. But yeah, she she was uh, she was your net runner, and she you know gives you information. Kind of, I don't want to say she scopes the place out, but you know she gives you you know information that you need. So you know you talk to T Bug. She tells you that the name of the target is Sandra Dorset. You might want to remember that name because it does come back up later. Uh, for those who of you who have not gotten to that part of the game yet, but it does come back up later. Um, she has a bio, she like she has bio monitoring, but it went dark like I guess hours ago or whatever. Um, and she also has a, t- a trauma team subscription, and I guess th- this whole thing is like world building, right? I mean, everything up until the title screen, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. world building because you know instead of just like health insurance, people have this thing called trauma team, where if something happens to you, a team of people will show up and come and get you within th- armed, armed to the teeth, yeah, within three minutes because life is dangerous in night, in, you know, in uh, Night City, so they'll they'll come and get you. But her trauma team, like, you know, transmission is being blocked or, or by something, right? Uh, so, you know, you have to go into this place to find her. And this is where you also meet the scavs, right? That's short for scavengers. And all scavengers are are people that like, they kidnap people and they harvest their cyberware and then sell them on the black market, right? And which kills them. It kills you, like, when that happens. So uh, it's pretty dangerous. And when you, if you kind of look around, like where they are in their their apartment and or at least like where they kind of hang out uh they might actually be russian right uh actually i think the wiki says they might actually have ties to the ussr i believe in the cyberpunk world the ussr the soviet union is still a thing the soviet union still exists but they uh they speak russian they have russian graffiti they listen to russian music and then the biggest tell is that they wear tracksuits so uh, so they actually they might have some ties to the Soviet Union, uh, but you know this first area for me it was like okay well I just went through a bunch of tutorials, but they're still taking me through tutorials because you're basically they're they're teaching you how to stealth and how to put people into containers and how to you know wait for people to go by and you know you could take them down together like it's still kind of like a training mission and i feel like it's a little wasted you know to me to me it feels like it's 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 a it's a bit wasted um but i mean it it is what it is Uh, but there to my knowledge there are at least two different ways to handle this 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 place right you can either a um well I, i mean you can keep it stealth and if you go completely stealth you don't have to like fight a boss or anything. And the way you can go completely stealth is if, you know, first of all, the, the regular guys are spaced in a way where you can just knock them out. But the final boss or the final guy, you, I think you have to use the reboot optics. And if you reboot optics, so he can't see you, you can get behind him and you can take him out that way. If you go loud at any point, you will have to fight him. You, you'll have to fight him as like a final boss. Like he has a pretty big gun but he's still easy to take down. It's weird though, because I think they wanted to display how some guns worked. 
Because th- did you end up fighting him or did you end up uh, stealthing him? The, the the last guy in the area. I, I of course fought him. Yeah, I I, I fought him. I stealthed like the first couple guys and then got found out. Didn't reload. Yeah. So what I I, so. I maybe maybe he has to go run and get the gun, but when he sees you, he runs into the next room over as opposed to just starting to like shoot at you. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he has to run and get his gun. Uh, but yeah, like he does that and he closes the door, but then he shoots through the wall. And I think they did that just so they can show, yeah. show him shooting through the wall. Didn't, and did that happen in any other missions? Cause I was like, Oh, cool. You could like, you could blow out walls. And I don't remember that happening in any other mission. You can shoot. If you have, um, tech weapons, you can shoot through stuff. For sure. Yeah, but you don't blow the wall out. Like, the wall uh, isn't no, destructible. I, but I in shot, this, the wall blew down. I've shot through walls with guns before, too. So I've done it myself. I've, oh, I've shot through walls, but never broken a wall to where you could walk through that wall. Yeah, you know? I've actually done that in, in, in certain places. So, uh, now there might be a third way to do it. And I haven't done it myself. And I at this point, I, I don't think I'm... Like, I've already gone through three characters, and I don't think I'm going to... um go do it again just to see if it can happen. But uh, apparently you can like, let's say you blind him and reboot optics and you just move past him and you find Sandra, you find Sandra and you get them to call, you get Sandra's uh, biomon to call trauma team. If it calls trauma team and the, and the scabs are still there, trauma team will come in and kill all the scabs. That's that that oh, seems like nice. it's another option. So at least like I think there's three ways to handle it. But either way, you get past them and you find Sandra in a tub of ice. And V is actually kind of shook by this a little bit. And T Bug says it's nothing to worry about because she won't even remember it. But then V says, you know, it's people like you know like that that go through stuff like this end up having panic atta- attacks that don't know why, right? Like she'll g- grab like a cold glass and then all of a sudden, you know pass out or something like that because she's having a panic attack. Um, but you jack into her port, you find out what's blocking it. It's like a, um, a shard. So you take the shard out and they call trauma team. Trauma team comes to pick her up and they're like dicks to you, right? Like you have her like, so she's like naked in your arms and you put it down on the thing and the guy pushes you away. Uh, they're just being, mm-hmm. they're just being dicks to you cause they can. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like they just, they pick her up and then leave and that's it. You know, yep. I of course there. That was the first time I tested out if you could fall. I was. I looked down. I was like, that looks a ways down. So I saved and jumped off. Does it, can you <laughs> fall? You could fall for a second, and then it just you die. You die. Okay. But I was hoping you just fall all the way to the ground. But I guess they don't have the ground loaded in when you're that high in in buildings. Yeah, probably not. So. But yeah, I mean, they just pick her up and then they leave. And honestly, I thought that was probably the last time I was going to see her. Uh, but like I said, she does pop up a little bit later on. I think in, is it Act One? It might be in Act One that you can get a side job for Sandra. I think it's Act Two. Mm, might be. But I expected her to be a little bit more part of the story, you know, like because you find her so early on in the story. I thought she would be kind of a bigger part of the overall main story, but well, I, nope. once I got the second, once I got the, the side job for her, I thought, okay, well, she's going to be part of the story now. And no, that that's not the case. Um, but like, well, I, I also thought she might be like a love interest, but that doesn't seem to be the case either. No. So 
Yeah, I mean, like we'll we'll talk about her side mission eventually. Um, I think we're probably gonna start talking about side missions once we've beaten the game a couple times. Just you know, and it, we'll we'll know how certain things end, so we'll know if side missions like kind of continue on, like their effects continue on, or or if they don't. Um, because the side missions are really good in this game. The side missions, like the specific ones, not the gigs, yeah, not not gigs, not you know the the police scanner ones and those types of deals, but the side missions are actually really good. Right. So, you know, you guys just like head out pretty much like, Oh, job done. <laughs> and and you go back down. Jackie wants to borrow your car because he needs, he, he's, he's got a date with Misty, which who you're going to meet in a little bit. And, um, you let him borrow the car like any bro would. And, uh, you ha- you talk to Wakako, you let her know that the job is done. And she says, you know, you can come get your money, but you probably want to go home. And she tells you that Watson is on lockdown. They're putting Watson on lockdown, which this is how the game is going to keep you confined until the end of the prologue. Right. And, and th- the thing about it, the Watson is actually still a pretty big place. Like it's not a small oh, area. Like it's not a small area. So there's actually a lot to do in Watson. Uh, while it's locked down, but you're going to be in Watson for a while until after, you know, certain events unfold in the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's when you, like I said, it's just a bit more world building. Cause you hop into the car, Jackie's driving, you get attacked by the scavs again. And, you know, you, you kill them or you don't. Cause you, you, if you manage to not shoot them and, or not kill them, they end up running into a wall or something like that. Well, isn't that the mission that you didn't have a gun equipped and then you were supposed to shoot at him, but you couldn't? No, that's later on. That's much later on. Um, yeah. So I, 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 when that comes up, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up that gem again. <laughs> um, but at that point, I already had, I had a gun equipped. So This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. But um, you make it past the police barricade with Jackie telling that lame story about having to get back to his girl. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> at this point i'm not too impressed with the dialogue of the game to be to be honest with you at this point in the game really? i thought it was great because i mean that's how your that's that's how your buddies usually are they think they're sounding slick but they aren't yeah no and i, I thought like so you can interrupt and say something like officer can you please just let us through or, or something like that but even if you don't the, the cops just let you through you know it doesn't make a difference so I think my when I was playing it at this point, my expectations were being readjusted as to what expect maybe ex- what to expect in this game. It was like okay, it's not as dynamic as they kind of made it out to be. You know, I mean, in some cases, whether you say something or not is literally life or death. It is literally a life or death situation. I don't think we're gonna get into. That in this episode, I think we're in the next episode, we're probably going to talk about at least one situation like that. At least one. <laughs> those, those are pretty stressful for me because oftentimes you know, I can see my computer from like my kitchen area and stuff. So oftentimes I'll be like, oh, uh, dialogue. I'll run over here and 
grab a drink or grab a grab a snack and then i see the dialogue option pop up i'm like no why would you walk away from your computer (laughs) in a game where you know you have to select dialogue frequently (laughs) frequently fast yeah you have to yeah because i could get back you know before regular dialogue but some of those dialogue options go really fast Dude, that's like playing overwatch and then going to grab a beer while you're respawning like <laughs> you know like that that's what that's what that it reminds me of like like oh i'm dead i'm dead for 10 seconds let me just get up and walk away like no you need to be you need to be prepared you need to be ready to go yeah but there's a there's a break every 15 minutes there. You know what I mean? Like you got a break at some point, but I ended up since it screwed me over so many times, I ended up just anytime I got up, I would actually just pause the game instead of trying to multitask. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, you're in the, you're in Watson. Now uh, they take the time to introduce you to max tech, which you see some, I guess you see some people robbing uh, or trying to carjack somebody and max tech. Who's like, I th- they're like you know really they're like Judge Dredd style police you know uh, in Night City where they just you know they kill first Judge Jury Executioner uh, so they introduce the max tech and I think they do that because if you get your your warning level high enough or your I guess your your police level high enough uh, in a chase max tech will show up and that's who you have to deal with and who you have to escape but in my playthrough so far. You know, and I'm going to use just my my main playthrough of my street kid. So on my 50 hours playing this game, I have not had over one star. I'm going to say for 15 seconds. That's the that's the longest I've had like a one star. And that's because the police just there's not a there's there aren't really good chase. There's not good chase AI in this game. Yeah. If you get in a vehicle, you're gone now. I will say if you're on foot, they just warp behind you. And you're like, what? Yeah. Where'd you come from? <laughs> but if you get in a car, like, you can just leave them in the dust. And honestly, I just didn't get one. I think I got one star twice throughout the entirety of the of my first game beating it. Like, twice. Most of, I, I've gotten, like, a star, like, two or three times. But that's because of, like, I accidentally ran somebody over. <laughs> you know? Yep. That was the first time. And then the next time I actually ran someone over again, and that was it. I mean, I usually wasn't running people over. I'd run into guardrails here and there, a car here and there, but I wasn't running people over really at all. Right. So that was another thing. Like I said, my expectations were really being adjusted at this point as to what to expect uh, in, in the game. So, yeah, you meet Max Tech. I've never seen them in person. Never. I will say, they have had opportunities, and I, I haven't played my finished my playthrough yet. So maybe I'll come across a mission where I actually do have to fight Max Tech. But they've had opportunities for you where you have to fight against the police in the game, you know. And Max Tech hasn't shown up in those situations either. As a matter of fact, maybe maybe DLC, maybe. As a matter of fact, even in those situations. I don't think there were. I don't. Even, I, there weren't even any stars given after I killed a bunch of police officers. Now that I think about it, I didn't even yep. think about that before. So, yeah, that's that's a little uh, disappointing. But uh, Jackie drops you off, and you're at your apartment, or you, you're taking the elevator up to the apartment, and that's when you first hear about the relic. 
And this, this is a little, like, the way they handled the information about the relic, and maybe, maybe they do this because they talked so much about the relic in their marketing and in those videos that they put out. But th- there's a TV show on in the elevator that gives you more information about the relic than any other character in the game. Other than that, you actually just have to read about it. Like you would have to find a shard and read about the relic. But the TV show that's playing when you're in the elevator tells you about the relic, who makes it, what it is, what it does, you know? So the relic that they're selling to the public, it will copy somebody's consciousness onto a shard. And the purpose is that, uh, let's say one of your parents dies or your wife dies or something like that, and you have a copy of their consciousness on the shard, well, you could just put it into your head, and now their consciousness is with you at all times. You know, that's the point of it. The point of the shard uh, of the relic isn't necessarily to make somebody live forever, per se, but it's so that, you know, somebody who's living can still be, be around the people that had died before, you know, if, th- if that makes sense. So. Yeah, or if you want like a really efficient personal assistant, I guess you could do that too. I guess so, Bob. <laughs> but that's a little dark. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can <laughs> you can do that as well. But that's the that's the relic that they're going to to that's the that's, that's the relic they're going to sell to the public. Obviously, it is also like a um, it's a super high end product, so only the rich are really going to be equipped to to purchase it. There is a counter argument against it, which is that it's, you know, it's unnatural, you know, with all these, all the cyberware, all the modifications, of course, there are groups of people who are against all that stuff. So there are groups of people who are against like stuff like the relic and stuff like that, mainly the church, you know, stuff you would think. <laughs> so, um, but you actually run into some of that later. Yeah, you do run into that, uh, some of that later. Um, but yeah, you get into your apartment and you just go to sleep. Um, when you wake up, and you're you start a new mission called the Ripper Dock, and you get a call from Jackie, and you know ever since you actually hacked into Sandra's biomod, you have that it's I think it's his malfunction system malfunction detected, so you have like a little bit of a, a virus or something like like that that you caught from Sandra, and uh, you know Jackie he says you know meet him downstairs he'll take you to to Vic. Um, I thought there was going to be more to that than it was. Uh, in terms of, I did too. I thought that was the beginning of what was in your head. Right. Yeah. No, no. Like that, that you, you could pull on that thread and nothing's going to come out of it <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. So I was, a, I was a little disappointed, but you make your way through, uh, V's apartment building. You get a call from Regina Jones, who is, uh, the fixer. You're going to talk to her a lot. You might talk to her more than anybody I- in the game. Maybe more than anybody. I'm almost positive way more. Like my messages from her are just like two pages long. Yeah. And compared to everybody else, I got like five or six from all the other different fixers. Like I get a ton from her. She also is the one that sponsors the huge side quest, which is the one to find all the cyber psychos, which I definitely need to go back and do. I was at 10. Oh, really? I'm at like 12 or 13 right now. I only have a couple more to do. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to see the end of that of that one. There's a few little side quests that are like a lot of those things. Like there's a car one, there's a racing one, there's a fist fight one. There's one where you find these graf- graffitis all over the place, but yeah. Yeah, so 
I think Regina, when we when we do talk about the cyber psycho side quest, um, I do uh, I think we'll we'll talk about her history a little bit there because you do get to dig into her history a little bit, like who she was before she became a fix and stuff like that. Um, I did get that that part. I got to ask her about that, so I do know that part. Right. So there is one thing interesting about the cyber cycles. I'll bring. I'll just mention right now. So when she when she asked you to to do the cyber psycho sub side mission, she asks you not to kill them, to keep them alive. And when you go to fight them, the cyber cycles, you can use any weapon you want, lethal or non-lethal, they'll still be alive at the end of the mission. So I thought, oh, okay, I guess I don't really have a choice just to leave them alive, and that's that's the end of it. But I fought a, a cyber psycho. Or I shouldn't say a cyber psycho. I fought somebody who has who's equipped like a cyber psycho later in the game. And when you beat him, he's still alive too. And I was like, I guess you just can't kill cyber cycles. I just like aimed at his head and I shot it off and it killed him. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do that to the other cyber psychos too. Just like, you know, after you take them down, shoot shoot like shoot them in the head and kill them. Like you can kill them after the fact. I wonder. So I wonder, like, because now I'm thinking, like, well, in one of my other playthroughs, I might just kill all of the cyber cycles, see what she does. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. I did, there was the car mission, and I did screw that one up, and then it wiped the other five missions off of my mission list. And so I actually had to go back to a save game because we had talked about wanting to talk about the uh, throwback in that mission to an older game that we loved. That's a completely different side mission. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, maybe the cyber psychos just disappear after, if you kill too many of them. You were at, you would say you were wondering what might right. happen. Like, maybe this the mission gets canceled. Mm-hmm. You can still go kill them, but you can't complete her part of it. Maybe. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so, you know... You talk to Regina, she tells you that she has a bunch of gigs around town. And I mean, that's, those are basically, they're in different areas, but they're repeatable missions, right? They're only certain types. Like some are going to be like, you know, gun for hire where you're trying to either kill somebody or incapacitate them. There's like, you know, an SOS where you have to rescue somebody. Uh, there's when we have to steal something, you know, stuff like that, or maybe obtain an item. So those are like really reusable but they really do fill up the map and they're a great way to get your street cred up and also get your money up there. They are a really great way. And I mean, other, and they, and they scale with you money wise too. So right. Like even the ones that say like low difficulty, like after you get up higher, they'll still drop the clothing that costs, you know, 800 to nine, 900 eddies each. Right, so yeah, I mean, they're definitely worth doing. They fill the map up. Um, I know I was able to get a bunch. Like, what I'll usually do is I'll do like a side mission or a main mission, and then I'll just look at the map and see what's in the area and try to clear the area uh, of all the different side missions. Like, so I'm, I'm so that I'm not driving around all the time. The only place where that's really difficult is in the Badlands. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, um, I do know that some gigs, their optional objectives will usually uh result in you either getting more or less money like if you if you complete the optional objective you will get more money from from the gig you know 
So, and sometimes you'll get an item, or you won't get an item, or you get a car, or you won't get a car. Right. Even some side missions are like that, where well, I won't say it's the optional objectives. I had a side mission where because my intelligence was so high, I had a dialogue option that I could use, and it impressed the person, and they ended up giving me more money. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I had one with a corpo where I was able to use it and get twice the money because I actually knew what it was worth. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So you also meet coach Fred and you fight his training bot. And after you beat the bot, he tells you about these fights you can get around the city with. This is my least favorite side mission of the game. I am not a fan of the hand to hand combat. I'm just not because, and it's because of the way they move. music. It's the way that they fucking move. And like the enemies, like, they slide forward as they're punching. Like they'll plant their feet, throw the punch, and then slide forward as they're punching. Like it's annoying. Like you have to dodge backwards twice, and they, I, I'm sure it's just not the way it's supposed or to be. Or left or right twice. Like they, if you dodge left or right at the right time, they'll still hit you. Yeah, it's just like it might be a glancing blow. I don't know, but they still hit you. You have to dodge twice in whatever direction just to dodge. And that's something I really hope they go back and fix up a bit because I did later on in the game really start enjoying like fist combat. No, you know, you come to a certain point where you're able to upgrade your hands and you can either get like gorilla arms, which makes you stronger or you can get the mantis blades. Fuck that. I got the grenade launcher. I was like, I am not playing around. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I ended up getting uh, as my, you know, when I did my arm replacement. So, but yeah, I'm just not a fan of the side. side. I didn't even want to start doing those missions until I was level 30. And when you're level 30, you go back to do like the first one. It still says moderate. One heavy punch will take a half of the guy's health. One heavy punch. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I think I went back and started doing them at like level 22 or something like that. Yeah, I was just, I was just not a fan of it. So, but you go, you meet Jackie, and he starts tell you about a job that he's landed. Both of you, you got a job from Dexter Deshawn, who is the biggest fixer in Night City. And um, now we're we're gonna start to see the differences between the different types of dialogue. I think kind of going forward, because with the Street Kid dialogue, you know, your character says something like, "Wait, I thought Dex." Then he disappear for two years or something like that. And Jackie goes on to say, yeah, he disappeared after getting mixed up in a gang war in Pacifica. And Pacifica is where the voodoo boys are, which you definitely run into them later in, in the game. Uh, and apparently he managed to slip away and lay low until things went back to normal. And then he made like a comeback. So the street kid can either reply with excitement about the opportunity or he can say, hey, this guy's got like a lot of blood in his hands. Or I think he says his uh, elbow, he's up to his elbows in blood. If you, if you don't, if you're not the street kid, the dialogue you get is that Jackie just says, yeah, he took like a vacation for two years. That's what Jackie, he says. He doesn't really dig into it, which kind of, uh, it's kind of disappointing because like, you know, playing through the street kid first, I know that Jackie knows what happened to the guy. He knows that he was uh, gone for two years because he got involved in a fucking gang war. But if you, but if you, if you don't, if you're not a street kid, you will never get that option to to, to get that information. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's 
that's I think that might be one of the first opportunities I had to use Street Kid dialogue. I think that might be the first one. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, T Bug is the one who actually set up the meeting between Dexter and Jackie because T T Bug knows uh, Dexter. She helped him out with some jobs in the past, and Jackie also worked with Dexter in the past uh, to to a degree. Like he uh, Dexter says he at least met Jackie, you know. Uh, so Dexter wants, and Jackie's got a little bit of a man crush on Dex. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I would say he definitely does. He, I think he respects him a lot because like he's the biggest fixer. And Jackie really wants to get into the quote unquote big leagues. That's what he said. He was like, "Oh, this is our ticket into the big leagues," you know, because Jackie wants to like make money and stuff like that. I think he, did, I think a little bit, not far from now, a little bit later in the game, he explains, you know, why this is such a big deal for him which I don't think we're going to get into that into the, in this episode, but he does kind of uh, get into that a little bit. So, um, but, you know, they, your dialogue options toward the end of this conversation can reveal more about the game or kind of just like pass over. So I think you kind of got to be careful about what you say because, you know, you get the option um, to say that you know your way around fixers. Now, if you say that, you also say that you know fixers are known for recruiting fresh talent for dangerous jobs, and then they and then when they die, they just dump the bodies. Like it's not a big deal for them. But if you say like if you act like you don't know your way around fixers, um, you know Jackie will say something to the effect of you know well fixers promise you a lot of jobs and money, but you're just another name in their black book. You're just a tool. But it's not really as in depth as saying like hey you know we got it, it kind of in my opinion like the you know you saying that you know your way around fixers is kind of like a warning. Right. It's like a warning, like, hey, you know, you gotta be careful with these people, you know. So but you know, going past that part, you do drive to Vic's place. Um and Vic is it's Vic is short for Victor Vector. That's the name of the the Ripper Doc, and Ripper Docs are people who put cyberware on people in Night City. And uh he has a little bit of a history. He used to be a heavyweight boxer in Watson, but he left that life behind and became a Ripper Doc and you know, just wants to live like a laid back lifestyle. He actually trained Jackie how to box. That comes out later in the game that he was the one who trained Jackie how to fight. So, uh, but Vic's shop is behind Misty's tarot shop. I don't know what the actual name of the shop is called, but that's what she does. She does like fortunes and tarot card readings. And Misty is Jackie's girlfriend, you know? And actually it's funny because Jackie says, oh yeah, me and Misty have some catching up to do, but Dude, you just saw her last night. You took my car to go see her. Like, what what, what changed <laughs> between then and now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, true. But, I mean, if it's his girl, like, I don't know. You know, he, yeah, he just got to tell her what he had for breakfast and lunch or, you know. Not everybody does I that. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was a little out of place. So, yeah, Jackie, yeah, the dialogue is a little weird, but it's okay. Um, Jackie tells Misty about the job, and she asks if it's dangerous. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. We're bulletproof. And I'm like, well, he's going to die. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I <laughs> thought about. Um, but you do meet up with Vic, and Vic, can you tell him about the virus and uh, but you also know you need some new gear because you're hitting the big leagues with Dexter just Sean. And, you know, Vic says, you know, he's heard some things about Dex and, you know, he hasn't as chill as he makes himself out to be. So, uh, but, you know, apparently you already owe Vic a bunch of money, like 21 grand. You know, you're going 21,000 days because he's been hooking you up, uh, I guess, for the last six months. That's how long it's been, right? 
with new gear so you can do jobs. And, uh, you know, he tells you that, you know, he'll hook you up one last time, but that's it. Which I think he's just being, like, he's just being, you know, not playful, but if you really needed him to, he would give you more. As a matter of fact, I mean, he definitely would because later on when you go to pay him back, because there is like a little side quest to pay him back, he doesn't take the money at first. He's like, ah, no, you need it more than I do. Don't worry about it. Um, so, but no, like, so yeah, he's just, he's just a nice guy, at least to you. So he gives you uh new optics and, um, you know, a new cyber, uh, new cyberware for your hand. And you kind of trip out over how good the optics are. And you think that they might be too expensive. And Vic's like, Oh no, we'll work something out. It's fine. And he also gives you the bounties database, which all that does is let you see in the game, how much street cred somebody is worth before killing them. Which, in my opinion, kind of doesn't make a difference because I'm going to kill them anyway. Like, if they have one star near their name, I'm going to kill them because I'm not going to get in trouble for it. You know? Like, you don't really have to make yeah, the choice. you can't really. Yeah, you, 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 it's crazy that you could just, you walk by. Like, if they've got that little yellow border around them, a little yellow thing above their head, you're like, oh, I could kill you. No repercussions. Yeah, like there's no, no repercussions. Like, no gangs hate me more. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, the... The only time, because what usually happens when you go to those police scanner things is somebody is getting robbed or they're being beat or something like that. As long as you avoid killing the civilian, there is no problem. You could just wipe out everybody else there. So, like, one of the first times I did it, I just threw a grenade in the area and it killed the civilian and boom. Like, now the the cops are kind of like they're they're, going to start coming in because at first they just send the bots in, right? And I got away from the, that. Okay. It, it, okay, so that happened. To, I got that happened to be one time, and I must have killed the civilian. It was way early on, and these bots came, and I killed two of them. And I was like, I'm trying to loot here, guys. <laughs> I was real slow at looting at that point. <laughs> and so I just ran off, and then they were gone. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's, that's the only thing you got to worry about when dealing with that. But, you know, after you're done with Vic, he, you know, he, you go talk to um, Jackie again. Jackie tells you that Dex is waiting for you, and you just have to walk a little bit past Jackie. Oh, uh, not past Jackie, but the Dex. But there's that guy that's near Victor's shop, like the I don't want to call him a religious. Uh, like, he's a crazy guy. The earth, he's literally he, the end of days guy. The end of days guy. He's literally wearing a trash bag. I'm pretty sure that's a trash bag that he's wearing. Um. I think he might change through. I remember a trench coat, but I could be wrong. But he's just talking about conspiracy theory this, conspiracy theory that. And you can interact and talk with him at different points in the game when he's saying different conspiracy theories. Yeah. Like he, he, he does say different conspiracy theories, but they all have the same ending that the, the, uh, the people on Alpha Centauri are watching or something like that. Or you're being controlled <laughs> by the people on Alpha Centauri. Uh, that's what he, that's what he says. He also asked, so there's a quest marker. There's a side quest marker on his body, like where he is, as long as he's not sleeping. And every time you go to him, he'll say, I've seen you before. Do you want to, you know, uh, fund this operation to spread the truth or whatever? So I have not given him money, told him to get lost. I have given him like a hundred eddies and I've given him one and nothing changes. So I I don't same. I've given him a bunch. Yeah. So I don't know. Am I supposed to give him a certain amount of money or choose a certain option or what? I wonder 
if it's a DLC thing because the whole space the whole space station thing where they send people up to the moon base like you read about and hear about it a lot throughout the game you can get in there now with some like you know double jump shenanigans you can get in there but then there's nothing in there and as you run towards the cuz there's a big long bridge that takes you out to where the shuttles are taking people up as you get closer it says there's nothing here for you yet and then it warps you back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can keep running, and it warps you back. So I'm pretty sure DLC is coming where we're going to the moon. Uh, but that's, you know, it's way past. But he always talks about Alpha Centauri. It really makes me think he's foreshadowing the, like, moon stuff. Well, I mean, like, well, then why put it in the game, like, now? Like, why make it a side quest now? Because, like, if I'm just looking on the map and not pay, like, not necessarily paying attention to where I really am... And I run into that area, and it's just him. I'm like, oh, god damn it. I came over here for nothing because nothing's going to happen. Uh, I'm just thinking bugs. Yeah, yeah, it could be a bug, too. So I guess that, that it's, it's a little troublesome, but it's whatever. So you go to uh, meet Dexter Deshaun, and now this, this is a whole different uh, quest called The Ride. And um, he starts asking you, like, he starts off with a weird question. He says, would you rather live in peace as a nobody, die ripe, smelling and old and smelling of a slightly old and smelling slightly of urine, sorry, or go down for all times in a blaze of glory, smelling near like posies without seeing your 30th, where you see your 30th birthday. You have two options. I'm sorry. You have three options. And in my opinion, two of the options are almost the same. Uh, one option is it's how they remember you that counts. And the other one is nobody, uh, nobody's don't survive night city. And if you say that nobody's don't survive night city, he says, you know, Dex disagrees. He says, you know, he chooses to be chill until somebody takes advantage of him. But the third option is just asking him if this is some sort of test. And then he replies, Oh, it's not that serious. It's just a question I like to ask pet subject of mine. And then he goes about his business. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, I answered nobody's don't survive in Night City is what I answered. Right, yeah. That's what I answered the first time. I can't remember what I answered the third time, to be honest with you. Uh, but, yeah. So, he starts talking about the job. But you can ask him before you get to that point, like, why do you want to meet with me? And then he tells you, like, one, I like to look people in the eye. And two, I already met Jackie and T-Bug. So you knew that already. <laughs> like that—that's that, why he actually wanted to meet you. Just you know, to to meet you because it's a big job. This is a massive job, uh, and he, the job is he starts telling you that it's you know you you're grabbing the prototype relic, and that's an important difference than the regular relic that they're selling. You're not buying the retail relic. You're buying you're you're not stealing the, the retail relic. You are stealing a prototype of it. And I mean, if you listen to this, you probably, you know, I highly doubt any of you or most of you are still in that prologue area right now, unless you have, cause you can spend a, like, I would say you can spend about eight, eight to 10 hours in the prologue area if you really wanted to. Um, I wouldn't recommend it cause you get to do all that other stuff later, but I spent a, a silly amount of time not doing any of this stuff. Yeah. So, like, you, 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 most of you all already understand what the difference is between the regular relic and the prototype relic. But, um, you know, when he tells you that it's a corp and that it's Arasaka, 
you can either reply that uh, you don't have a problem with it or that it's a it's a death sentence. And if you say that you don't have a problem with it, you just say that, you know, um, corpse don't des- don't deserve special treatment. That's what your character says. And Dex, he likes that. And he says, oh, this is the start of a beautiful relationship. But if you say this is a death sentence and Dex is like, well, hey, first rule of afterlife is high risk, high reward. And then he goes on to talk about how there's a plan and they're not going to leave any trace. It's going to be a totally clean job, right? So he gets into the details of what needs to be done. He tells you about, you know, two, two specific goals, right? They're basically giving you your, your, your mission objectives here. So the first objective is that, one, you have to go deal with this problem with Maelstrom. And two, you have to go talk to Avalon Parker. So uh, you can do it in any order. But we'll start with Maelstrom first. So um, I think this is the, I'm, I guess the scavs, technically speaking, are the first gang you get introduced to, right? The scavs are the are the are the first gang, and Maelstrom be the second. But in my opinion, they look the coolest out of all the different gangs. They probably look the coolest. Like they look the most, you know, the most fucked up <laughs> to, to a degree. Like, I was about to say they look weird, dude. Yeah, like they look like they they the way that they have integrated the the cyberware into themselves. Like, I mean, if you look at Royce, who's the leader, like his, basically his face is fucking gone, man. Like, and the cyberware is Dude. built, in, is like dug into his face. It reminds me of the ghouls that still had personalities in fallout. Right. Like the fallout series, the faces remind me of the ghouls because their noses are always jacked up. I'm like, okay. Right. So, and a little bit of history about the Maelstrom. They're an old gang, and they were reformed from the Metal Warriors, the Red Chrome Legion, and Iron Sights. And all three of those gangs have grudges against another gang called the Inquisitors. I don't even know if they were a gang or just an organization, but I haven't seen any proof that the Inquisitors still exist in 2077. But at some point, the Inquisitors almost wiped out the Metal Warriors. So that gang and two other gangs got together, and they made Maelstrom. And they're like obsessed with cyberware and the net and occult shit, which you can tell. They usually smuggle like drugs and they perform like raids and hit jobs. So, you know, once we get into what they did, they, this kind of fits their MO. Um, they also might be involved in black market BDs. I think you, I don't know if you have to do a mission where you find that out later, but I think there's definitely like a side mission where. That becomes a bit more clear if they if they're uh, it's a yeah yeah it's side yeah it's a side mission so but they're like super brutal too like when they they kill when they kill people but they uh they raided a Militech convoy and they got away with the gear and the convoy was carrying a prototype combat bot called the Flathead and you need it for this mission so Dex purchased it from Brick who was the leader of Maelstrom. But then Brick, like a couple days later, Brick was like deposed by Royce. Like he basically, Royce betrayed him and became the leader of Maelstrom. And Dex isn't sure if Brick is going to honor his deal or if Royce is going to honor his uh, deal with Brick. And there's also Meredith Stout, who is uh, Melotech Internal Affairs. And she's looking into the convoy. And she is, uh, she's desperate. She appears to be desperate is what Dex says. Uh, and has her chief suspect zip tied in her trunk. So here's another thing that happens if you, like this, and this is life path specific. If you are no matter street kid, you're just like, okay, fine. But if you're a corpo, 
your character deduces what the situation is and it's, you know, she'll say, or he'll say, uh, she was waiting on the convoy, but got stood up. Um, she needs something from the convoy. Uh, she has nothing on the suspect, but she's keeping him just in case. And she needs to find the stolen gear before her bosses find, find out. And Dex is like really impressed with your deduction. Cause did that happened for you too, Bob. Is that like your character kind of run through? Yep. I said, okay, I wasn't sure if it was because of a dialogue option. I selected earlier or not, but it doesn't seem like it. Because nothing popped up that said Corpo, and then you hit it. She just said it, you know. So, um, yeah, so you get that information, and he gives you Meredith Stout's number to call in case you want to try to make a deal or, you know, um, you know, come up with something. And then there's Evelyn Parker. And Evelyn Parker, um, she's the client. And um, just, I guess, a little background on her because you don't talk too much about evelyn parker in this scene like he just tells you that she's the client and that he had a hard time vetting her to make sure that she was legit but when he put word out that he was trying to vet her the voodoo boys told him to back off so there's already some foreshadowing there as to you know who she's had dealing with and you know stuff like that but basically, Evelyn wants to meet somebody who's going to be part of the team that's on the ground. So that's you. She's She wants to meet you in person and, and talk to you. But in terms of who she actually is, Evelyn Parker, um, you know, she, I guess, wasn't always in this, this business. I think this might actually be her first time trying to do something like this. Uh, because originally she wanted to be like an actress, right? And she used to be a part of the Moxes. But then she went to go work at Clouds as a doll uh, to help her career, you know. Uh, and dolls are people who let their personalities be overwritten uh, for other people's pleasure. So I guess maybe they put a shard into them or something like that, and they become a different person temporarily. But yep. she only meant to do that as a, like a stepping stone to help her acting career. And, yeah, it became way more permanent. So what it looks like is that Evelyn is trying to find a way out of that. Right. She's trying to she's trying to find a way out of that. And it hasn't become incredibly like like really clear as to what's happening right now. But this is her path to do so. So that's how what Evelyn that's how Evelyn Parker's involved. And she wants to meet you at Lizzie's bar. And then that's pretty much the end of the ride. Right. So, you know, at that point, you can handle it how you like. You can either go deal with the Maelstrom stuff first. You can go directly to Maelstrom you could talk to Meredith Stout first and see what she has to say, or you can go to Avalon Parker first and see what she has to say. Um, it does not matter. Okay, so whether you do Maelstrom or Avalon Parker first doesn't make a difference. However, if you do Meredith Stout first oh, and, and then Maelstrom, that makes a difference. So those only two, like the Meredith Stout one and the Maelstrom one are tied together. But other than that, you can do Evelyn Parker at any time. It doesn't make a difference. So, but we're going to stop there on this episode. I know I said we wanted to get through the entire, um, we wanted to get through the entire prologue, but if we kept talking, I could, we would probably be here for like another hour going through everything else that kind of happens. Cause we have to talk about what you guys talked about with Evelyn Parker and how the Maelstrom deal goes down and what happens with Meredith Stout. And then, of course, we also have uh, dealing with, you know, get the actual job itself, which is the heist. So we're going to uh, pause it there for now. 
and we'll pick up pick back up with that uh, next week, and then we'll finally be through the actual you know prologue of the game, which I mean, right now it just feels like a lot. I think like when I when I went back through it, you know, before I should say it before I went back through it, I was like, yeah, we'll just cover all that in one episode. And then when I went back through, I was like, yeah, there's a kind of a lot here, <laughs> you know, more than I uh, remember. And I just rather, you know, get through all that than, than, than rush through it. What do you, what do you think about things so far, Bob? Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot here at the beginning and the game really, the storyline doesn't start slowing down for me really until after the prologue, like during the prologue, I was so overwhelmed with everything going on that a lot of it kind of went past or over my head. But it's definitely, it was exciting for me, like the different choices. I'm like, oh, you know, as the first optional quest comes up, we have an optional, you know, part of the quest you can do that's in a completely different area, you know, instead of just like optional talk to so-and-so before doing the the thing. And so it it was pretty exciting for me. And I'm enjoying myself to to this point. I'm enjoying the story quite a bit. I mean, it really is like the a cool sci-fi story. Yeah. I mean, at this point in the game, I was still adjusting my expectations uh, of the game itself. And I, th- I think I said early in early, early episodes, like my early impressions of the game was like, you know, seven out of 10, maybe eight out of 10. It was still kind of at that point right now. Um, there's just a lot of world building happening right now. So I guess I'm just trying to get adjusted to the, to the world and the world building, but also readjusting my expectations of how the game itself is supposed to play. Uh, also, I think maybe because I didn't have a great idea of how I wanted to spec my character or how I should spec my character, that was making things a bit harder than it needed to be. Yeah, you get major anxiety. And then later on, you figure out, you know, you can pretty much spec wherever you want to and get by whatever situation. Right. Well, it still has a lot to do with how you want to play the game, though, right? And originally, I was like, I wanted to be stealth, but I also wanted to have the ability to kind of um, shoot things up if I needed to. But as I'm playing the game, I'm just kind of like, this game, in my opinion, really isn't built well for stealth. Unless you just go complete net runner, if you go like not complete net runner, but if you do, if you heavily use net runner properties like hacking in the cameras and then using quick hacks on people, that's you can do more stealth stuff that way. But yep, a lot more, a lot more. But the but in terms of like, I was thinking more like Deus Ex stealth, you know, to a degree, which the 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 levels are more designed for that. These levels are not really designed for the type of stealth I thought that they were going to have. So I just readjusted my expectations. I actually started specking way more into the weapons. And I got to be honest, I've been having a much better time after I did that. You know. Yeah. I actually got to a point to where it was so easy with the weapons. I had to turn my difficulty up another notch to the highest level. Then I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to start putting points in the other stuff and just kind of be a jack of all trades. Because I was looking at the final perks you can get, and I was kind of underwhelmed. So I thought, why not just spread it out across them? Right. Okay. Well, like I said, next week we're going to hop into the second half of the prologue. Hopefully we'll make it all, all the way through that because quite a bit 
does happen. Uh, but I would like to thank everybody for listening. Bob, why don't you tell me where they can find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at blazin underscore Bob. That's B-L-A-Z-Z-I-N underscore B-O-B. Where can we find you, Joe? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Tradamus. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash match those buttons. I stream on our main channel from time to time. I used to do it more frequently, but things have been busy. We just put a put a new website up. We're getting ready for uh, our, our, our Q1 new content. A lot actually new content coming to Patreon. We've got a couple of new shows rolling out within the first quarter of the year. So uh, lots lots going on there. But yeah, when I do stream, I do stream on twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Uh, but you can follow the network at twitter.com slash the mash network and keep up with all of our great shows there. You can also join our Discord community at disc, uh, mash.gg slash Discord, and you can talk to me and Bob. We have some st- channels there dedicated to this show, Night City Stories. There's also a spoiler channel, so if you want to kind of di- dip into stuff that we haven't talked about yet, go ahead and feel free to uh, put it in there. And, uh, I mean, even if the, even if you think something else is spoil- spoilerish, you might just want to put it in there. Uh but, you know, I encourage you guys to reach out with the comments and questions so you can contact us on our Twitter accounts or on uh, the Discord, or you can email us at contact.mash.gg. If you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, the best way to do that is to share the show with others. And also, you can rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take us a bit further, you can become a supporter on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash match those buttons. And you can help support match those buttons with tiers starting at $1 a month. You can gain early access to content as well as exclusive content. We also have a Teespring store, which is teespring.com slash store slash mash those buttons. And you can throw us a Twitch sub if you like, uh, if you want to support in that way. Actually, you can just go to mashthosebuttons.com slash support dash us, uh, or you can just go to mashthosebuttons.com, hit the support button. And I'll show you all the different ways that you can show your support if you want to. I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about mash those buttons. And we are done for this week. Thank you guys very much for listening again. We hope to catch you next week and we will get through this prologue and then we're going to, you know, get into the main game. 